Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week's Eccentric Minute is one of my favorite exercises to do with the K-Poly, and that is the pull-through. Guys, once you've figured out about how far you need to walk out with the K-Poly, grab whatever attachment you're using for the pulley, walk yourself out there, and really push your hips back at the K-Poly. From there, when you hit that stretch, really punch your hips forward, keep your chest up, and try to extend your knees and your hips all the way through. And this is where one of the major benefits of using a flywheel kicks in, as it pulls you into a deeper stretch as you push your hips back in, into your hamstrings and your hip extensors, so that you really open it up and stretch everything out in the back. This is an exercise that I'm sure your athletes are going to love to hate, but reap awesome rewards from. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat? Well, you could find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over a hundred different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash cvasps to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an absolutely awesome talk. I get to sit down and talk with Matt Nine about how he has incorporated the largest resource he has on campus, the student body, to help build one of the top programs in the country. You know, after a real quick intro, Matt's going to dive right into the role that he sees the students filling, you know, in the unique situation that is Division Three athletics. He's going to share with us some heck, uh, some hiccups he had along the way, including how he thinks he could have better had the administration involved and how bringing them in and actually putting them in the front lines and understanding what's going on has truly impacted the development of this program. You know, and after we get through that, we're going to talk about mental toughness and where he sees that in training, how they evaluate it, and how they quantify it. And then we're going to finish talking about, you know, the role of periodization and how that has evolved through his 15 years up there in Maryland. Guys, this is really an awesome talk. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Coach, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, man. You know, we were just wrapping a little bit off camera. I'm fired up for this because this is something that I think, you know, people, there might be a little fake confusion when it comes to some of this, these ideas and things that are going on right now. But, you know, for the three quarters of a human listening right now that doesn't know who Matt is and, and how he got up to Salisbury, uh, let us know how you got up there and what you got cooking, brother. Cool, man. Well, I've been here at Salisbury for, this is my 15th season uh, now. Um, so prior to that, I started got my master's degree in applied health physiology, uh, was thinking about moving into cardio respiratory, uh, therapy and so forth. And 
starting to get into it and, and clientele wise, it just wasn't my cup of tea. And uh, I look back to as I played as a college athlete, I was a college baseball player at Towson. And, um, you know, strength and conditioning was something that was extremely passionate for me then and um, was really allowed me to be successful. And so I started to pursue my career in that. I've, I've been able to work with uh, Tim Bishop. Uh, at that time, he was the uh, head strength coach for the Baltimore Orioles, uh, now uh, perform fit in, uh, in the Baltimore area. Um, coming out of my master's degree, uh, I applied for the Toronto Blue Jays as a minor league strength coach, uh, worked with them for a season. Um, and then, you know, I did some other random personal work, uh, some teams here and there at, the, at, at Salisbury. And uh, Salisbury position opened up, and um, you know, I was head strength coach at 24. Had no business whatsoever being a head strength coach at 24. I can tell you that now. I mean, the amount of stuff that I've, uh, you know, you look back, and you know, I still have some of those programs from back then. I'm like, what in the heck was I doing? And um, but you know, we're, we're here now, and so I've been here for, like I said, 15 years. And uh, in 2018, I was named the uh, NSCA's College Strength Coach of the Year. Which is an awesome honor, and um, you know, having the opportunity to present all over the place, and uh, that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah, man, and really working into some unique alterations when it comes to developing the training process with the young men and women that you get to work with. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, you know, like we were talking earlier, is that some of the Division three uh, rules and, and so forth that we have, you, you really got to, you know, play the game a lot and, um, you know, be on top of your game with what you have. It's also the limitations. Division three school, you know, what we have available to us. You know, when I first started, it was myself. That was it. I had nobody else um, to be able to develop a program. And you take uh, 21 teams and, and it's you and that's it. Um, how do you get the same expectations that a program that would have, you know, five or six strength coaches and or strength coaches, you know, at a division one level where every team may have their own. I mean, it's the same expectations from our coaching staff and, and our uh, athletic development or athletic department staff. And so you got to figure it out and, and really develop that and build that. And so we've been able to take our program and we have three graduate assistants now. Uh, we have a, uh, a little bit of an undergrad program. Uh, and for me, I'm more about I'd rather have volunteers than interns and so it's a little bit different and the reason being is me not that I don't do it we do do it but with from an intern standpoint we we commit a tremendous amount of work to them and they can they contribute back but they're gone at the end of the semester and then we got to do it all again well, what if I found somebody who was a freshman or a sophomore who was really into just maybe just lifting or exercise science and wasn't hundred percent sure maybe they were an athlete in high school or even an athlete now what if I got them to volunteer? And what if they came in, they started volunteering with one team, and then all of a sudden now they were with two teams or three teams. And, you know, so we've that's what we've done. And we have a program now where generally in our program each year we have probably two or three uh, volunteers who have been with us. Um, you know, we just had a freshman start this past fall. And so the idea would be that he is with us for the next four years. You know, and then getting internships in between. Um, but, again, what – you know, we invest in him every every semester and, and all the time. By his third year, I mean that dude, he should be rock solid and, and ready to rock and roll as a coach. I mean, put him puts himself in the best position to get a graduate assistant uh, position and you know move in the in the correct steps and progressions from there. Um, but we benefit so much more from that. 
<clears throat> because he has the experience. He knows the athletes. Sometimes they know the athletes better than our GAs because they've been here longer. Um, I mean, one of our guys, he, he had been with us for three years, and he just graduated a year and a half, maybe two years ago, and he had been with our guys for three years, and um, where our GAs are two and out. Uh, so it's uh, to me, I like that model better. Um, just practicality, you know, in what I do, I also manage the rec center on the opposite side of campus. So I'm, I back and forth throughout the day. If I'm not over and training an athlete, I'm back into the rec center or I'm designing a program or we're, we're just moving all over campus. So I don't, you know, not that I don't want to contribute, you know, help those, you know, interns grow. I just, I just don't think we have the ability to optimize their growth uh, right now, but we do with the the volunteers because we can spend a lot more time with them. So well, that's a pretty awesome plan and thing that you can work <clears throat> on because you're just thinking of it selfishly, full disclosure. Like okay. if you're sending them out for internships too, they can bring back stuff to help you. Yeah. And we've had, I mean, that's, that's probably one of the biggest things that, that we've been able to see is, you know, what goes on where and, what, what was benefiting, you know, especially we come back in, we have our, our, our meetings after their internships and, you know, what did you like? What did you not like? You know, what can we adopt or modify or, or grow from? I mean, it's, I think it's, a, you know, because most of the time you'll send your interns out, you, you may never, they're never, they're probably not going to impact your program from there uh, unless they come back on as full-time staff or something along that line. But, you know, they have the opportunity and usually, to say one of our guys uh, right now, he's actually working with our women's basketball team. So he's actually now designing um, some of the programming uh, for that and implementing his designs. Well, you know, that guy's, he's going to be ready to get a job. And part of it is, is on my end, if I want good strength coaches to come in here every two years as GAs, I got to make sure they get out of here. We don't have, it's not name recognition. You know, we're not, uh, you know, a big time, you know, big 10 school or something like that, that people are going to recognize necessarily Salisbury. Um, but we want to make sure that we have a list of everyone who's come out of here and where they've gone and what they're up to. And, you know, head strength coaches, division ones and, you know, division threes, uh, major D one assistants. We just want people to know that so that I can get better coaching. If I get better coaching, if it comes back full circle to our athletes, our athletes get better coaching. And that's how we're going to continue to grow as a program. Uh, I guess maybe it's a little different than other places, but I think it's what we have to do based off of the model or Division Three model that we're in. Well, first of all, as, as a SUNY Cortland grad and a Division Three <laughs> guy, Jeez. Salisbury, I know the name. I yeah. know it probably too well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and vice versa. Yes, most definitely. But I think, too, what, what's awesome is that you have – what's the word I want to use here? Not a cycle, but a, a system-ish system. where you're, you're, you're bringing them in, you're putting them out. You're bringing them in for three to four years, and then you're bringing them in for two, and you're, you're moving them out. But when you're looking at – I think that the big thing, the big unique thing that you have that we all need to be better at is you have a situation where you can utilize the largest resource that you have at an institution, and that's the kids. Yeah. So how have you ended out building this curriculum, do we want to call it, 
yeah. as you start to develop these young coaches alongside developing the young athletes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, initially it, it started, we were just in the weight room, guys were, int- were intrigued and so forth, so we were just kind of bringing people on. It was more like eyes than it was anything else uh, in the room because that's at the time, that's what we had available to us. Um, we didn't have the resource of educational time and our commi- my commitment wasn't there. It wasn't until some of my staff started to grow in terms of GAs that we could actually really start to set a curriculum. Uh, but first off, it's I go into the classrooms. Uh, so I had I initially for the I don't know, about 10 years, 10 or 11 years, I taught at the undergrad level, but I taught the class strength training technique and program design. And it was a one hour in our, you know, the lab occurred in our weight room for our athletes weight room. So they got to see it. And it's, you know, most it's on the opposite side of campus over by our athletic field. So most of the general student population don't even know it exists. And um, but I go into every into the uh, entry level cl- uh, strength conditioning classes and I just talk about strength conditioning, the profession and, and what it is and what we do. And, you know, kind of that kind of is that that big umbrella to, hey, we have something here that you're in, interested in. We value, you know, what you have the opportunity to bring and. We'll, we'll test run you and if it's you know we and we've had students who come in they think it's for them they spend a semester with us and they're like coach I, I don't think this is what I want to do anymore but you know it, which is fine yeah and I'm glad you re- realized that but you know the one thing is they, they weren't allowed to quit uh, we didn't just say hey you can't you know if you're gonna commit you're gonna commit um, you know now the only way is that if they're not following the curriculum, they're not completing their work and things along that line. Yes, they'll get they'll get ousted. But I think in the long run, that's going to negatively impact them down the road anyway. Um, so I think it started there. Um, even some of my GAs, uh, Chris Messina, he's a AAA strength coach for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, I found him in the weight room. He was a grad student. Him and the guy that he came in with were just working out. And, you know, he's a big, big guy. And they just start striking up conversation and he comes and volunteers with us for a semester. And just like that, I mean, the guy was, was just lights out good. And, um, you know, it just so happened one of our GAs was leaving and he was right there ready to rock and roll. And he just moved right into that, that position. So I think it helps being that I manage the rec center where I get to see all these, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we want. We want the ones who are passionate, right? You know, we don't want, um, Oh, I got to do this for class in order to graduate and, I think that's what we were finding out of the internships is that because of where our location is, you know, we're located on the Eastern shore of Maryland. There's not many other schools around, you know, the closest outside of UMES, the closest school is probably going to be two, two and a half hours away, you know, maybe Dell state. uh, But again, we're we're not having, we don't have a lot. Right. And so even through the process, people were, I guess they were hiding the you know, who they really were and playing a great game in the interviews and, you know, the process that we were taking as in, as to interview them as interns. And, uh, you know, they get into it and there was just no passion. And so that's where we started. It's like, you know what? The people who are passionate are the people who are in there doing it on their own, who are getting after it by themselves, who just want to work and, and just love it. Let's start there. Let's get to those people. And you know what, if we, we asked 10 and, None, none do it. That's fine. We'll ask 10 more and eventually we'll find one or two. And usually that's about what we get, you know, so sometimes they come through the classroom. Sometimes they come just by in being in the weight room and, you know, and finding those people. And again, then they just, they just kind of go. And we've had other people now to the point now where we've been doing this for 
probably about six years where they're coming to us now, um, where they're, you know, they'll ask, Hey, you know, do you have any GA positions available? I said, no, but I do have a volunteer program. Um, and they're willing to accept the part of the volunteer program just to be in our program. Um, which is good. No doubt, man. And I think that it's really awesome to kind of make some lemonade out of the lemons that some people would complain about having to be in that fitness center, you know, doing that side thing in there yeah. when it comes to coaching athletes. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it is a lot. And it's, you could easily complain. It's one of those things, though, in terms of mindset. And we talk about, you know, we were talking about mental toughness and so forth. It's just, I mean, like, who likes to be around those people, you know, who are always bitching and complaining and, I mean, it gets you nowhere, it gets nothing out of it, but, you know, what happens if we do take that and say, hey, you know what, this is what I was dealt, let's run with it and let's get after it. Um, and then let's take it to a level, and, you know, this happened, I want to say, probably about six years ago, um, came to me, uh, I was a, uh, higher up, a boss of mine came to me and said, I never asked you to grow the program. And, uh, yeah, I know, right? Like, I mean, it's just like a dagger, dagger to heart. He's like, oh, you're doing a great job. He's like, but I never asked you to grow the program. And said, you know what? At that moment, it was maybe six to eight years ago now. I was like, at that moment, I was like, you know what? Not only are we going to just kill the program, we're going to take it up like 10 notches and we're going to freaking blow this thing out of the water um, and make it, try to make it one of the best in the country at what we do. And, um, you know, it's why not, right? It's just what you're dealt. If you don't like it, get out. If you're going to stay, get after it. Bro, he said, like, I didn't ask you to grow. The you just found him free workers to help the athletes get better and take better care of them, and he was questioning that? Well, yes, because, you know, how, like, we're coming in. It's like things are growing, things are getting better. Um, you know, obviously, then then we're looking for, you know, I say more things, but, you know, it's like, well, what, what's your budget? What's your, you know, I got you. You, you, you're doing more with, with – I guess you're putting more out there, but you're not getting anything back. But it was things that, like, we needed. Like, you know, like my budget is a budget where I go and ask. That's it. Like, I don't, I don't have anything written on paper. Um, I go and ask for things, and you know, we, I guess, we have a list and we manage what we have, but we have no dollar figure attached to it. And so it's one of those things. At the end, you're, you hopefully you get things, but. We're doing more, so more is being utilized, more is being, let's say, damaged or broken, but you know how bands are, they don't last more than a year generally, or just your, your general equipment that is, you know, every year, it's, it, it turns over, year to two years, I mean, your med balls, things like that, but they're not going to last for 10 years, like some of the equipment's going to, it's, but we didn't have that available, so now all of a sudden, the program has grown to where there's so much more being utilized, and we had it available, um, but it's the depreciation pieces were never uh, looked at or addressed or even thought of. Um, and then all of a sudden now we're coming in and saying, hey, this is what's happening. And I was probably about five or six years into into working at that point. And I was still young and had no clue and, you know, about depreciation of equipment and what all that should be. And, you know, how that's probably one of the first things you should do if you take over a job is understand your equipment and what the depreciation is so that, you know, whoever – your bosses are have a clue of what's going on because you know we're we're in that struggle again right now um you know and that that's kind of what ended up happening and that's kind of i think what stemmed it all is like you, you i never asked you to grow and because we grew it you know 
yet we were benefiting the athletes. They were getting stronger and more powerful. And, you know, athletically, we were, you know, I think we were top 15th in the uh, director's cup. And, um, yeah, kind of, kind of get you. <laughs> yeah. So I guess then my question would be when you look back at that, <clears throat> you know, how could you advise people listening right now as to ways that they can take better advantage of that type of um, a growth situation and still keep their wits about them and their feet under them so that not all of a sudden they try to go too far too fast and then they run into things. Because this, to me, what you're saying sounds a lot like some of the monitoring stuff that we were doing five or six years ago where we got going too fast, too much, too big, too soon, and all of a sudden everybody was like, what's going on here? Put the brakes yeah. on. And it's like, um, guys, we're winning, we're healthy, and, like, everything's good. Like, let's not mess with it. But it was too much, right? Like, there's too many things going on too fast for people. So where do you see how people can go in this direction and, like, kind of matrix what you well, think, ran into. I think part, part of my issue was, again, like I was, I was 24 and like I said, like I said, I, I, you know, somehow lucked into that, into the position here, I guess. Um, but I, I didn't have a growth plan. I think that was kind of, you know, I had what I wanted in my mind, but never had it communicated to the administration. And I think that was part of part, you know, part of the issue. And, you know, I don't know if on the other end, you know, what administration, I didn't have what their ideas were either. You know, I had, I knew what I wanted, but one didn't write it down, didn't communicate it with my administration and didn't know what they wanted necessarily. And so it just, it just built that, you know, great administration, they kind of let you work, they let you get after it, they let you do your own thing. And like you said, we were winning, we're, we're doing well and there, you know, no problems, no issues, you know they kind of stay out of it. And then it got to that point. And I think that's where, you know, if I was a little bit more upfront in terms of communicating uh, better uh, my ideas and understanding theirs, that we may have been in a, you know, a, a better situation, even, even more so now. And I think since then, you know, that's where we're at right now. And we're, you know, over the past probably two or three years, we've, we've done a much better job of communicating that. And, um, you know, progressing with, with, uh, you know, the growth of the program from, from where it's at or what we're even capable of growing towards. Um, you know, so I, we've done a much better job since that time. Um, but it was a good learning experience, I guess for me, um, you know, <laughs> you put you right into the fire. Oh yeah, know? I bet. I bet. So. You know, and that's hard, man. Cause you know, um, <clears throat> We're, we're all like that dumb crazy when we start, right? And we're in our mid-20s, and we think that, you know, we can work 80 to 100 hours a week and run through everything for as long as we, you know, as long as our, our heart's beating. But it's eventually that AGE thing catches up with us, and it uh, it doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, kids. Yeah, that's the other one, your kids and so forth, and... And that's when it gets to that point. And then, like I said, I really wish I would have been able to, you know, almost foresee that ahead of time that, 
you know, because like you said, in your mind, you're just trying to grow things. You want to become the best you can. And, you know, hopefully that's what everybody wants, you know, to be the, the, the best and, you know, do what you can and do what you have to do to make it as, as great as you can. But like you said, you get to that point and then it's like, okay, now what? And, you know, you, you may have hit your ceiling or your limitations. And um, what if you just would have done this a little bit better? Uh, may have, you know, it's just like what we asked for in the weight room, right? You know, and, you know, how we train and sleep and nutrition and all that and athletes hitting their ceilings because of lack of the lack of that and just same concept just didn't just didn't apply it to my career you know um, yeah no doubt man and i think that on top of that it's something that when you get into those situations the big tricky factor with all of that is and the, and the hard part probably too when you're you know mid to late 20s or even your early 30s when you're still really young in the game you're only like eight to ten years into it is not taking it personally and yeah. not letting it beat you up and being i mean shoot it's still there are things that still get to me like that you know where it's like if someone would have said that to me like i would have been devastated yeah and it was i mean it it was it, it was but again it goes back to uh, like i guess maybe the way i look at my mindset and so forth is again i can't let it i can't, you know what can i do like it is what it is and and that's what he believes and so maybe i didn't do a good enough job of getting him to believe in in what i do as a program and and what my you know profession is or my program is and and so forth so you know what i got to figure out how to how to make it better how to show him the the greater value uh, in it. And so it was, it was a lot of change where it was now, you know, more inviting in, you know, come see what we do, you know, and actually legitimately trying to schedule that to get him in, to get him, to get them to come in and, and see what it is that we do. And, um, because it had never been there before, you know, uh, before I got there, it was an assistant, you know, he did a fantastic job. He was an assistant football assistant track coach, um, and ran strength and conditioning and predominantly just did it with, with those two teams, I mean, the guy's already, you know, recruiting and doing all this. Like, how much more can he contribute to the other, you know, what, 19 teams or 18 teams or whatever it is from that point? Um, and so all of a sudden, now you have somebody that's their sole role. I don't, I don't know if they knew at that time what it was even going to entail. Um, but you know, you learn from it, and hopefully, we, you know, don't allow those mistakes to happen, and hopefully, others can learn from it too. And and go yeah man no doubt about it because especially in a situation like that where you're now able to show them what you're able to provide and you're showing them how things have escalated and improved that then that next step should be them coming back and being like oh now let's see what we can do yeah i mean and it is i mean you know it's uh, we've seen a lot of improvements and growth since that point you know from our you know the administration and so forth they've i mean they, they're fully supportive now and not that they weren't then it was just like i said it wasn't they, they just didn't know i don't think and the value wasn't expressed well enough and um you know now you know resources and you know our athletic uh, administration is you know really supportive of what we do and um which is fantastic. I couldn't ask for any, you know, a better group. 
So then where do you see this now evaluating and, and evolving to, Coach? Because I think that this is something that is unique. <coughs> and now that you have seen some of the hiccups in the maturing process of all of this, where do you see this continually to evolve and to grow? See, I mean, that's the hard part. It's it's one of those things that's like, you know, we've got to sit down. Um, I've got to sit down and figure out exactly what that looks like, you know. And, you know, it's it's consistent, you know, reviewing, you know, looking back of what we've done, where we've been, how are we growing. And, you know, a lot of it, um, I would say probably over the past two or three years, a lot of it has to do with money. You know, I mean, you get to that point where you're creating, you know, growth programs, you're creating things with with what the means that you have available to you. Um, a lot of it at that point, up to then, you know, there wasn't much that we could come up with or that I could come up with that from a continued growth, right, of how do we stay on top of things. Um, to me, that's the most important because everybody's lifting, everybody's training, Right. Everybody's doing the same thing predominantly, you know, same workload, same rep schemes. I mean, you know, it's so one, I got to believe one that I can coach it better than than others. Uh, but then I also got to figure out what are, what are we doing that others aren't doing? And um, so that's kind of some of the things that we've looked at. And I think some of the big things in there, um, how we assess and analyze commitment um, and some of the work that we try to bring in with mental toughness, we're never going to have sports psychologists. I mean, maybe say never, but not in my lifetime. We're going to have sports psychologists at the division three level. Um, and so I've got to brush up on what I can and, you know, how can we get in the simplest ideas of concepts into our programs, you know, so that when the time comes that our guys, maybe just our girls are just a little bit ahead or have the ability to, to, to change their mindset and refocus or, you know, I mean, we, we assess and analyze our commitment. We put a statistical number to it so that we can actually see how committed you are, you know. And, um, uh, you know, that came from an article, a Catalyst article, and it looked at, um, uh, uh, you know, it, it started about talking about how come you're not getting what you want or what you expect. And so what they did is they broke it down into five categories. And so since then, we've taken this model and adjusted and kind of made it ours and we look at five key components to, to training, becoming the best athlete you can become. And um, so we say lifting is one, um, running, obviously, uh, nutrition, recovery, and then playing the game. So the skill-related work associated with the game. And so if you work on those five pieces, you're going to become a better athlete. Okay? Um, success, you're going to be more successful at what you do. Um, and then they all interplay. A lot of the mental toughness pieces – kind of umbrella all of those and um, you know we go through an assessment and we analyze and we have the athletes analyze the other athletes and everybody sees it so it is kind of eye-opening sometimes uh, we have them analyze the, themselves because I think it's critical to see what your peers believe your work ethic your um, I, I, your the effort that you give every day they may, because they're going to see it a lot different than I. I'm only going to see it in the running pieces and the lifting pieces. They're going to see it in almost everything that you do. And so, well, you know what? It is what it is. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't like it, you have two choices. Either you're done or you change. I mean, it's just kind of the way it goes. And, you know, they've been, they've been, you know, pretty, 
I remember a guy he came to me, he said, coach, what do you think? He's like, do you think I'm here? I'm like, you know, there's times where I've seen you a little bit higher, but there's also times where I've seen you a little bit lower here in the weight room, you know, in terms of just your focus and, and the effort that you put in. And, um, I think it was eye opening from him. And I mean, you could see the change. He was a guy that was like, you know what? I'm going to, this isn't going to be me. I don't want to be remembered as this or be that guy. And, um, you know, a lot of our, our athletes, they'll come in and they'll score in the sixties to seventies, you know, as their commitment to these five categories. And some of them will be highly committed to the weight room, but have a low commitment to nutrition, you know, or, you know, other pieces of recovery from sleep, um, stress, things like that. They'll have, you know, low commitment levels to those uh, high commitments to other things. And so it's just a matter of the awareness. Uh, most athletes probably because mom and dad have, you know, really pumped them up. Their heads are this big, you know, that they're the best in the world and they're the greatest of all time. And, you know, and I don't say we deflate them, but we want to make sure that, Hey, if we're going to grow and we're going to get to the right spot, we need to understand where we are. It's just like testing, right? We need to stay where we are to understand where we're going to go. And, um, you know, it's, it, that's kind of where it all started. Uh, well, that be, so those are kind of some of the things that I look for is what are we doing differently than everybody else? And that's how our growth is. So if we're not going to get the money, I've got to dial in and figure out what's on next. And the other we talked about was fluid periodization. So yeah, man, no doubt about it. And let's, let's run down that here a little bit because I think that how, again, I think that that's something that, you know, obviously Dr. Morris kind of coined that and got that going, you know, and then Mladen is talking about agile periodization, but I think that people taking things and looking at this as, um, in this sort of light is really the direction we're going to start going. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think we almost have to, it's, we were talking, you know, the, the modern day athlete is, I don't, maybe we just didn't know back then, but I don't believe I'm much different than the modern day athlete. I mean, I don't think, I mean, I wasn't getting eight to 10 hours of sleep. I was eating dining hall food. We didn't have, you know, the nutrition. I was a division one player. Like we didn't have the, the nutrition stations or anything of the sort. I mean, my sophomore year was the first year we had a strength coach. This is a division one, you know, program. And, uh, that was in 90, that would have been 98. And, um, so I don't know if it's that much different or it's just something now it's like we're, we're more cognizant of what's going on through our athlete monitoring systems. Uh, they're kind of indicating what's going on with the athlete and it makes a lot of sense. If you look at it, if somebody's, you know, what, what, I guess how it happened for me is we had a swimmer and we started our warm up. you know, we weren't really doing anything from a monitoring uh, systems or, or anything, you know, any uh, questionnaires or any of that at this point, this was a few years ago and started to warm up and just it just didn't look right you know how when somebody's kind of getting ready to pass out or puke or something they, they turn like a ghost well this this girl she turned like a ghost and says you know is everything okay she's like yeah i didn't get much sleep last night i was like well did you eat anything she's like no nah, i came from the library I'm like you this was a 6 a.m lift I'm like you 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 didn't sleep at all last night um and you didn't eat since dinner at maybe four at five six o'clock the night before she's like yeah that's about right like, well, obviously you're done. You're not going to lift right now because it, it doesn't, you know, behoove you to, to do that. But it got me thinking. It's like, well, if that's her, like, what's everyone else doing? You know, like, 
how many people are sleeping or, or not eating or you know so forth and then if I'm prescribing something is that the ideal prescription for everybody and again part of fluid periodization is really starting to look at the individualization and that's kind of what agile periodization too is really beginning to individualize as much as we can based off of the resources that are available so you know is programming you know 85% today is that ideal for someone who has had lack of sleep you know could that negatively impact our program or what I have designed let's say today's you know Monday could that negatively impact what I have designed for our Wednesday or our Friday lift and that could that you know could we be instilling workloads too soon that puts us in a super compensation negative and our end results were worse or not nearly as good as we potentially could be um, four, six, eight, you know, 12 weeks down the road. And, um, you know, it's, and where I, we started working with the concept is in season. And then again, you start thinking a little bit more. It's like, well, if we're experiencing this in season, do we experience it out of season and the way out of seasons now, or maybe even more intense than some of our in seasons? Um, you know, with our, you know, our non-traditional seasons and uh, play and, you know, I mean, a lot of our teams, I mean, they're working on their own, uh, doing a lot more than maybe, especially some of our, you know, like, like a baseball or something like that. There might, might be a lot more downtime in season than there is in the off season. <clears throat> and so it just kind of gets you start thinking. That's kind of what the theory of fluid periodization really about is taking your, your monitoring systems and start to look at what we're seeing on a daily basis and start to adjust some of our program accordingly. Now there's some easy, simple ways, you know, um, uh, velocity based training is a simple way that can look at that, uh, utilizing repetitions in reserve, uh, some of Tertiary's work. And this is kind of some of the stuff that we're diving into now is, is looking at our, um, fatigue percentages, things along that line. But, um, I think we've just got to do better. I mean, you know, if the, the variance of one RM is roughly like 18% on either side. So if we're basing something off of a one RM, if I'm putting it, you know, let's say you tested and you didn't test well, your, your one RM could be 15 to 18% higher than that. And so if we're basing it off of the, the 80 and then we have a training max off of that, that may be, you know, two and a half to 5% lower. Wow. Now we're almost 20% away from a potential competitive max not saying so i mean you're looking at 15 percent uh, decline i mean are we going to get the results that we want you know based off of using those using that information i think we've got to be better than that no doubt man because you can always live to fight another day yeah yeah i mean it's i just and then every day, I mean, you just don't know. We don't know what the athletes are going through. You know, I mean, the, the amount of stress that's put on now from academics, everyone's got to have a 4-0. Uh, they've got to have, you know, stray days across the board. And, I mean, it's it's just kind of the society has, has changed a little bit. I mean, heck, if I got a B, I might have been happy, you know. Um, <laughs> I'll pass. I'd still be happy. <laughs> no. But there's a lot of a lot of people. It's like, oh, man, I, I've, I've got this test that I've got to do well. Like, what do you have in the class? I got a 93. Like, Okay, like, yeah, I get it. You want to do well. Um, I have no problems with that. That um, is well. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're not going to fail because of the way in which you will go about stuff. Like, 
you're, you'll be fine. But again, it's this high level of stress and we put it on ourselves and, um, and then we don't know how to deal with it. And, um, so what we end up seeing is we see lack of sleep or just, you know, it ends up causing a delayed recovery and that could negatively impact the workloads that I put in. And, you know, so we want to see, you know, is the work that we were doing, you know, where we were using set prescriptions and really defined in what we were doing, is that optimal or does this have, does this theory have relevance? And, um, you know, so we've been doing it. We've been doing it with our in-season groups uh, for mine, basketball, and football, and we've seen a tremendous amount of of benefits from it, growth from it. Uh, we've started it with our lacrosses out of season. Um, you know, part of it is an educational process, especially you know we're using uh, repetition and reserve, and so it's very difficult for them to understand that. Um, it's a learning process, so. You know, it comes and goes, but we're working on it. We're developing it. But, I mean, from an injury standpoint, I think we're down, you know, from each of those groups in seasons and our out-of-season groups. Um, uh, we did it. We did do it out-of-season with football last year um, after our first seven weeks, so our last seven weeks, and then through the summer uh, we utilized it. You know, the, the issues that we have in the summer, our athletes aren't here, so – Gosh knows, you know, what they're doing. If they're doing anything, I have zero control over that. So that's kind of can throw some of our data off a little bit uh, of what's going on. But. but no, Matt, I mean, that's awesome stuff, man. And it, what it is is it's making the best of what you got, making sure that you're moving and doing the best things for the kids that you get to work with every day. I think that's awesome stuff, brother. And, you know, so where let me get you out of here with this, though, my man. Like, where can people see more with what you're doing? Where can they follow you, figure things out, and all those things? Um, so um, social media, um, I try to have a, a large presence on uh, the SIGs for the NSCA. Um, again, I think, one, it helps our program continue to grow and puts us out there as well. But also, I've learned a tremendous amount from just all the posts that come on there. Um so uh, you can find me on there. Um, you know, just search my name and, and I'll be there. Um, Instagram, I do a fair amount on Instagram, not a tremendous amount. Uh, I'm starting to get into that a little bit more. Um, uh, other than that, I'm presenting. Um, well, this will probably air before then, but at, at uh, NSCA Coaches Conference, um, I believe I'll be presenting at um, uh, Juniata's. Uh, clinic uh, this coming summer and um, so you know I try to get a fair amount of them in uh, but again at the end just shoot me an email I'll be more than happy to get back to you my email is uh, ma9nein at salisbury.edu feel free to just shoot me an email like I've you know I'll share anything that I've got Uh, like I said I always believe that I'm going to coach you better than you anyway so um, it is what it is right (laughs) Um, uh, no doubt man no doubt yeah, I mean, I'll be happy to share anything I've got with anybody. So, Awesome, Matt. Well, listen, brother, I truly appreciate your time. This is sensational stuff, man. People are going to love it. Cool, man. That's awesome. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And again, reach out to me. I'll be more than happy to help out however I can. No doubt, brother. Well, we'll be in touch real soon. Awesome, man. Take care. You too. And a huge thanks to Matt Nine for spending the time with us today. Guys, just some open, honest, candid sharing from a coach who – Who's doing it all right there, right? He's, he's running the fitness center. He's coaching the athletes. He's developing a program. He's developing coaches. 
And he's developing himself along the way, too. And I think that this is one thing that we all overlook, and I'm definitely going to point the thumb here a bit. You know, I, I don't do great with interns, and I need to do better when it comes to bringing coaches in and mentoring and doing those things. But, you know, at the end of the day, Matt's got a sensational program and really laid the blueprint out for all of us here. So I can't thank Matt enough for being so open, honest, and candid in the sharing today. And really, you know, opening my eyes to some things that we can do better. I hope you took as much away from this talk as I did, guys. And as always, if you did enjoy it, please share it to the social media outlet of your choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. As always, we're just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.